As we lead up to Easter, we are looking back at the time of Jesus' crucifixion to see how several individuals were caught up in the dark side of things that led to that moment. We want to see how we can keep ourselves from allowing similar characteristics to exist in us that close the door on the light of the world in our life. Today, we ask the question, have you allowed life's disappointments to cause you to be disappointed in God? Take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. Well, we are jumping in and concluding uh, our series today, The Dark Side of Easter. We started this just a few weeks ago. And we said that everything about our faith, about the faith of Christianity, hinges to what happens to the event that took place on Easter. The event that was the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul even said himself, if there is no resurrection, there is no faith. So everything about what we believe clings to that resurrection. But leading up to that event, there was a lot of darkness that was surrounding it. And there was a lot of individuals that were caught up, as we were saying, kind of on that dark side of everything taking place. And so what we've been looking at is we've been saying, what can we do as individuals to guard ourselves, to protect ourselves, to keep ourselves from having characteristics that may be similar to those who were keeping the light of the world from shining in their life and through their life. The first week when we looked at this, we talked about the high priest at the time, whose name was Caiaphas. And we asked the question, what are we holding on to that we need to let go of? What are we afraid to let go of because we're afraid of what we might lose by letting go of that or what we think we're going to lose? And the statement we made was we said, don't don't let the fear of what you think you're going to lose cause you to miss out on all that you're going to gain in Christ. Because that's what Caiaphas did. Then the second week, we looked at Judas, and we talked about how when the end is difficult or when the end is different than the ending you wanted, how do you respond? When, when God doesn't act in your life the way that you were hoping God was going to act, how do you respond? Because for Judas, Judas became a follower of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He went everywhere with Jesus. He learned from Jesus. He was given power along with the other apostles to to deliver people from evil spirits. And he, he walked with Jesus. But the end wasn't looking like it was going where he thought and wanted it to go. And it was going to be different than what he was hoping for. And so he chose to betray rather than trust. So we said... That when things aren't going the way you hoped they would go with God, trust him instead of walking away from him. And if you did walk away at some point, know this, that God's love has never walked away. And his love is always there and it's waiting on you to come back and return to him. As we conclude this week and in this portion of the series before we go into Easter next Sunday, I want to kind of look at the fact and I want to, I want to focus on the idea that how about life's disappointments and what they do to us. The thing about life's disappointments is oftentimes life's disappointments cause us to be disappointed in God. It's very easy for the disappointments that we face in life for us to look at those and say, God, why did you let this happen? And us become disappointed in him. The truth is we all face heartbreak and, and disappointments in some way in our life. Now, some of us, we face, dis, uh, some of us, it seems that we face more than others. 
For some, you wonder, you know, how, why did you draw this straw in life? Because you just seem to face so much. And I wouldn't deny that that happens, that some seem to have things better in life than others. But the truth is we all face some kind of disappointment. Disappointment can come in different ways. If you're, if you're a student, you could be struggling because you just feel like you're constantly hitting a wall and you can't get over that hump in school and in your education as much as you try. Maybe you feel like you're constantly or you are constantly being bullied by others. And it's causing so much disappointment in your life. Maybe you're a young adult and life hasn't started off for you the way that you were hoping it was going to start off. You're struggling to get things going in your life. And you just feel like there's one disappointment after another everywhere you turn. Maybe you've been a part, maybe you were on a job and you gave your life to this job. You gave so much to this job and then all of a sudden they just out of the blue let you go. You don't have that job anymore. Maybe you're being mistreated by your coworkers. Let's be honest, people uh, being ugly to somebody else isn't just, doesn't just happen in schools with young people, right? It happens with adults as well. Maybe you're being mistreated at, at, with those you work with or in some other way or some other place. Maybe the dreams that you've had for your life, those dreams have been crushed and you just can't see what's next with your life. Maybe you're struggling to, to make money for your family. Maybe the investments that you made in your life and you thought you had your future secured, maybe you lost those investments somehow, in some way. Maybe at some point in your life, you've been abused. And that abuse has led to so much disappointment. And it has even affected the way that you see God in your life. Maybe you're married and you're not feeling love from your spouse the way that you once felt love from your spouse. Maybe, maybe your spouse cheated on you. And it's brought a lot of hurt. Maybe as a couple, you're wanting to have children. You're trying to have children. You had a miscarriage. Maybe you're unable to even get pregnant. Maybe you're older. Your children have moved out, but your children never reach back to you. They don't talk to you. They don't call. Maybe you've been hurt by people in the church and these were the people that were supposed to love you. But you didn't feel loved by people in the church. You're struggling in friendships. You've been diagnosed with a disease that someone, the doctor says, is incurable. So many opportunities for disappointment in life. And so many opportunities for those disappointments to cause us to be disappointed in God. Here's the thing. Disappointments often are the first seed of doubt. They want to choke out our faith in God or want to choke out any possibility of faith in him. And you think about where disappointments typically come from. They're coming from either people or the circumstances that we face. What did Jesus tell us about people? What did, what did scripture tell us about life's circumstances? Jesus told us, he, he taught his listeners, he said, pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for those who are bringing disappointments in your life. He says, love them. Love those who are hurting you. Love your enemies. Paul would write and he would say to us to be thankful in all circumstances. 
He didn't say just be thankful in the good circumstances when everything is going right. He said be thankful in all circumstances. Whatever you face, whatever you're going through, be thankful. Because Thanksgiving can be an antidote for disappointment. And you may say, well, Javen, I don't know what to be thankful for. How can I be thankful? Because everything that I'm facing right now, this is almost some of the darkest points of my life. I can't, I don't see what to be thankful for. Well, if I can encourage you to be thankful in anything, let me encourage you for this today. You can be thankful in Jesus Christ. And you may struggle to say, well, I don't know how I can be thankful for Christ. I want to explain that to you today. First of all, I want to tell you the reason you can be thankful for Christ is because Jesus faced disappointment for you. He did it to rescue you and me from the curse of sin. He did it to rescue us from the sin that we often turn to in our disappointments. Because we think that that sin is going to help us get through our disappointment. That sin is going to help us face that disappointment a little bit better. When all that sin is doing is, is it's leading us from one dark road to another. And Jesus came to rescue us from that. So we can begin to thank him for that. Now, let me, tell, let me say this. I'm not going to sit here and say that all of your life's circumstances may, may change as a follower of Christ. There are people who follow Christ that still go through difficult things. Jesus even told his disciples, he said, you're going to struggle. the world is going to come against you, but fear not because I've overcome the world. So we face things, so, but Jesus can deliver us from things. He's not unable to do that. But here's what I do know that Jesus will do. That as we go through those circumstances, his Holy Spirit will help us have a different perspective towards people. And his Holy Spirit will help us have a different perspective towards the circumstances that we face. He'll help us to see things differently. He'll give us the ability to love. He'll give us the ability to pray for those people and those things that may be causing disappointment in our life. Now, maybe it's, I want us to look at a couple of guys today who found themselves in a situation that was very dark in their life. And who found out that instead of avoiding God in disappointment, maybe it's better if we lean in to him. Because if we lean into him, we may find that he's right there with us in the middle of that disappointment. Now, these two guys are a couple of guys Luke gives us. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about them. Luke gives us a little bit more detail in what's happening in, in their life. But both of, both of these guys, for some reason, had been led in their life down a road towards now they're facing crucifixion. Now, crucifixion is a, is a form of torture, but it's also meant to be humiliating. It's also meant to, get, to make a point The Roman government used it to make a point to say, if you do anything to cross us, this is what's going to happen 
to you. It was very public, very humiliating. And we don't know really what led these guys to the place where they were being crucified. All we know is, is as Matthew, Mark, Luke tell us, they were thieves. And by the time this crucifixion was over, their body, just like every other body that goes through this punishment, was going to be thrown into a pit on top of a bunch of other dead bodies. Because they didn't care about them. They only used them to make a point. And these guys in the middle of this situation are facing this. So we don't know what led them to this. But one thing that we can kind of gather just based off the stories that we see throughout history and the decisions that people make is that it likely started because there was some type of disappointment that took place in their life that led them to make a choice that kept leading them to make more choices that put them in the place that they were in. But we also know that these guys happened to be crucified on the same day that the most famous crucifixion ever took place. And that was with Jesus Christ. So let's look at what Luke tells us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Or chapter 23, excuse me. Luke begins to write and begins to paint a picture for us of what's taking place with these criminals on the cross. And starting in verse 32, he says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, talking about Jesus. And when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said these words, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, You're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Think about the picture that Luke is painting for us in this moment. People on the ground, jeering, scoffing, mocking 
Jesus. Yelling at him. Taunting him. Gambling over his stuff. Not valuing him any at all. They don't care about who he claimed to be. What he even did. They're yelling at him. Mocking him. Matthew and Mark tell us that the two criminals beside Jesus were also hurling insults at Jesus. Two men on a cross beside Jesus. Both at some point hurling words of insults to him. But one taking note and how Jesus is responding to all these insults. While curses are being thrown at Jesus, Jesus is on this cross saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive these people who are saying these horrible things. Forgive these people who are putting the nails in my hands and my feet. Forgive these people who are pushing this throne of crowns, crown this crown of thorns on my head. Forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And maybe it's in that moment that this one criminal on Jesus' side begins to realize this is the guy I've heard about. This is the guy that so many have been talking about what he's been doing. Maybe this thief on the cross at some point or another heard the story that Jesus shared one day about how we were to love others. About a man who had been beaten by thieves and left him on the ground because that often happened. And maybe this thief was one who had done that to someone. But he heard the story that Jesus said after that had taken place to him. No matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter if they're different than you, pick them up and love them and take care of them. Maybe this guy is remembering or maybe the scripture doesn't tell us these things, but I'm just thinking. Maybe he's starting to realize, is this the guy I've been hearing so much about? If this is him, he doesn't deserve to be in this place. Now, Barabbas, who was with us, who I thought we were going to be crucified with. Yeah, I know that guy. That guy deserves to be on this cross with us, being crucified. But Jesus, no. Why did they cry out for him? If this man claiming to be who he is. If he said... If I've seen him, I've seen the Father. If this man claiming to be who he is, even in this moment in his life, is full of grace and mercy. Even in the darkest moment of his life. Then God must be a lot different than what I thought God was. Perhaps... If this man 
who claims to be the Son of God is innocent. And he can remain good and faithful even when all this is going on to him. Maybe this guy, in his just grace, can forgive me despite my injustices. Because maybe he remembers hearing stories of how this man had looked at others and said, your sins are forgiven. Maybe he's remembering when Jesus was brought a woman called in adultery. And he didn't cast stones at her. He didn't condemn her. All he did was love her and look at her and say, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Maybe he heard about that. Maybe he heard about the woman who washed Jesus' feet, preparing him for this very moment. And how Jesus looked at those in the room and said, for the one who's been forgiven much, they understand my grace and my mercy. It almost seems to be that this criminal, as he's looking at Jesus and how he's responding, that he begins to realize that God has never been the cause of the disappointment in my life. God is not the one who caused my life to go down this very dark road. God has been sitting there waiting on me to see him in the middle of it all. And it's in that moment where this criminal who had absolutely nothing to give Jesus, nothing, he couldn't barter with Jesus. He couldn't say, I'll give my life for you because from this day forward, I'll live my life for you. There was no this day forward. He had nothing to give Jesus. But even though he knew that, he turned to him. And we see as his partner in crime begins to hurl one last insult, as Luke tells us, you're the son of God, prove it. Save yourself, bring us down from the cross with you. I don't know what's going through that criminal's mind. Maybe he's thinking if I join them in the insults, maybe they'll bring me down from the cross. Or maybe he just has no care in the world for what he's facing. But while his partner is over there hurling one last insult, This criminal chooses rather than to clench his fist in anger one more time. He allows his heart to take the posture of his arms. And he opens his heart in surrender to Jesus. It seems to be that his taunts towards Jesus became questions. And his questions became cries. And his cries became a prayer. And his prayer was, Jesus, you don't deserve this, but I do. Will you please remember me? Will you please forgive me? Of all that I've done, I don't deserve anything. But in one last attempt, the criminal leans in to Jesus on the cross and he says, please forgive me.
And Jesus looks at him in the love and the grace, and the same love and grace that his heavenly father would look at him and say, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Right now, the dark moment that you're facing, it's not the end. Because on the other side of this dark moment is paradise with me. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, Solomon wrote these words year before, years before all of this would happen. And he would say that a hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, what he's saying there is the heart, the word in the Hebrew is the same word that's over and over used for the heart, the soul, and the mind. And that word sick is not just a little bellyache. It is a, you're crushed. You can't move. You can't operate. And he's saying, hope deferred, disappointments, they crush you. And you sit there and you think, well, I'm supposed to love God with my heart and my soul and my mind. But how in the world can I love God with my heart and my soul and my mind when everything in me has been crushed by disappointment? He goes on and he says, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And as I'm studying this, I start thinking, you remember the Garden of Eden? When Adam and Eve were created and they were put in this garden, God surrounded them by trees with fruit. And in the middle of the garden, there was this tree of life. And there was also this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God looked at them and he said, you can eat from any tree in this garden. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from that. But what did Eve and Adam allow to happen in their life? They allowed temptation to cause them to desire that which they should not have desired in the first place. And when they followed that desire, It led to disappointment. And that disappointment led to the curse of sin on all mankind. And as we said earlier, we find that every sin we turn to, that we think is a desire to chase, just leads us down one dark road to another. But Solomon said, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Right beside that tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree of life. See, often times, the desires that we're striving to fill are the desires we shouldn't be pursuing in the first place. They aren't helping our disappointments. They're only contributing to them. But the, des- the desire that will fulfill us is the desire that we're ignoring. And that's Jesus Christ and the life that he can bring to us. 
And if we're in a moment in our life where we feel like all of these disappointments have crushed us, my soul, my heart, my mind, my soul is so weak and so disappointed. I can't love God with anything because I've been disappointed. Jesus is right there in the middle and saying, just lean in and turn to me because I am life and I will give you life and life more abundant. And if you begin to pursue me, then your desires will be fulfilled and hope will not be deferred anymore. Lean in and pursue Christ. Rather than turning away from God, rather than not submitting to Him and being angry with Him and ignoring Him, He's saying, lean in to me and see that this very thing that you're facing may be a calling in your life. See, just like these two criminals, we all encounter Jesus in some way. And perhaps your encounter with Jesus is happening this morning right now. Or maybe if you're watching online, maybe it's happening whenever you're watching this. But your encounter with Jesus could be happening or, and you have in this moment a choice, just like those criminals had. How will I respond? How will I respond to Jesus in this moment? Will I be like the one and just refuse to see him for who he is. Will I just continue to join the crowd around me? Will I continue to chase desires that are not going to fulfill my life? Or will I be like the other? Will I see Jesus as the Son of God? Will I see Jesus as the one who is full of grace and mercy. Well, I see Jesus as the one that I can turn to in the middle of this moment and say, Jesus, whether or not my circumstances change, will you remember me? Will you be with me? Will you let me walk with you? And I promise you, his grace and his mercy and his love will wrap you in his arms and they will accept you. It's so amazing to me that Luke points out that in this very dark moment, that one of Jesus's last messages seems to be that God is not the negative things that happen to you. That God is with you in the middle of them and he is your strength and he is your peace, and he is your comfort. He is your hope. He is your light on the other side of that very dark moment that's trying to shine into your darkness. He is the life that wants to breathe in to the death that you are facing. Jesus' last message couldn't have been any more beautiful. So I encourage you today, if you're in a dark place in your life, and disappointment has led you to there, what will your choice be? Stand with me this morning.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that Luke took the time, as he said, to investigate everything that happened in your life all the way through to your death and your resurrection. And then he chose to write about it. And maybe his thought process was only so Theophilus or whoever it was that he was writing to could see these words and could know Jesus was who Jesus proclaimed to be. But we are so fortunate to still have these words and to see what were written. So I thank you today that so many people witnessed Jesus in this moment on the cross and the encounter he had with these two criminals. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room today where disappointment may be trying to crush their spirits. Disappointment may be trying to wound them to their heart and their soul and their mind. And it's causing it, making it very difficult for them to love you with everything they have. Father, today in this moment as we close, they will lean in to you. And Father, I pray that they will begin to feel you and sense you and know that you are right there with them and that where it looks like hope is deferred God you are the desire that we need to seek that has fulfilled everlasting life for us God help them today to find you church as we close this moment out today and we worship in these closing moments. I just invite you, if this speaks to you in any way and you say, Javen, that's me, then I invite you to come and to find a place to pray, to seek God, grab someone that's maybe close to you that you know loves God and bring them with you to pray with you. If you want to come find me or one of the other pastors, pray, we'll pray with you, but find God today. Let him heal you to your heart to your soul and to your mind and let him restore you. Open your heart today and surrender to him. If you've never given your life to Christ, it's as easy as what the criminal did on the cross. Turn to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for pursuing things that are not bringing life. Today, help me find life in you. And if you do that, tell someone, But as we worship him in these closing moments, find Jesus today. Find Jesus today. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.